Hey, welcome into the Grizzlies podcast. I'm David Cobb, the Commercial Appeals Grizzlies beat writer, joined alongside rabid Memphis Tigers. I mean, excuse me, our uh, column, uh, columnist, Mark Giannato. Uh, Mark, you, you hadn't caught the Grizzlies in person for a while. I know you've been monitoring from afar. In a way, is that giving you any sort of a different perspective on where this team is now? Uh, we're recording before they play the Miami Heat on Monday, and they are sitting at 9-17 and 17 and not all that far outside the playoff picture, fascinatingly enough. Uh, just coming off a four-game road trip, they won a couple and then split a couple of home games over the weekend. Uh, I mean, what, what are some of the things that you've noticed um, as you've sort of watched this team from afar over the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, for me, it's... I- it's interesting watching them in the sense that I'm not really wa- like the result, even though you mentioned like now they're suddenly kind of close to a playoff spot. And, you know, like with the way the West is setting up, there's six very clear good teams. And then from that point on, I don't think anyone else is above 500. Is that, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's odd because the trailblazers and the Spurs are below 500. Yes. You know? And, um, but, I watch for performances of the young because that's what this season's ultimately about, the progress of these young guys. And here recently, it's just been fantastic. Since Ja came back from his injury, you had the 26-point game where he scores 13 points in the fourth quarter to beat um, Golden, be- State. Golden State. Then you've got you know the dunk against Phoenix. In, in a very clutch moment. Too. Yes, um, the the dunk heard round Memphis and round the NBA. Then, even though you lose to Milwaukee on Friday night, you, could you get if Jod played. Yeah, yes, and you also get forty three from Jaron Jackson Jr. And then on Saturday, you beat the Wizards, and Brandon Clark looks fantastic. How did you beat the Wizards. You pretty well pummeled them. Now they were shorthanded and they're a bad team, but. Still, it's impressive. But so, like the fact that you basically in a in a week in a five day span saw every reason why. I mean, whether they make the playoffs or not this year, which is you know it's unlikely, even though they're you know like you mentioned they're close. But like you saw every reason why you should be so optimistic about where this team is headed this year, next year, for a couple years to come. I mean, like they just. And then you throw in the fact that Dylan Brooks is playing more consistently lately. I mean, like you've just there's a lot of really good pieces to the puzzle that are already here and already performing at high levels. Maybe not as consistently as they will in the future, but but enough. You know, it's certainly coming out enough where you're like, this guy's good. I mean, like they've. I mean, there's very clearly three really good building blocks in place already. And aside from your upper echelon NBA teams, I, I don't see, you know, there's not a lot of situations I'd like to have more than the Grizzlies the situation. Yeah. In the NBA, the Grizzlies arguably have the like, best. Like compare them to, you mentioned like the Trailblazers and the Spurs. I'd much, I, I am, I feel so much better about the Grizzlies than I would if I was a Spurs or Trailblazers fan right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Trailblazers are so confusing because it feels like they should be good. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. They recalibrated their roster a little bit. McCollum and Dame are in their primes. Uh, but that one's that one's confusing. But but here the Grizzlies are on the way up. Maybe maybe Portland could be a, a trade partner for Andre Iguodala. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but you talk about the long term picture, and I agree that it looks pretty good for the Grizzlies at this moment. Uh, but I do want to talk about the short term picture, which is what do you do now with this season? Because I think the assumption was that they probably were going to keep their their top six protected pick. They would have a top six pick in this year's draft. But with the way things are shaping up, there's a real possibility that they don't have a top six 
Jacobs pick, in which case they convey the pick to the Boston Celtics to satisfy the 2015 Jeff Green trade. So do you try and be good this well, year? Do you try and win 30-plus games? Do you well, here's, say, here's what I'd say. Here's what I'd say. They just won three of four, correct? And remember earlier when they won three in a row, then they went and lost like nine of 10, 10 of 11, something like cyclical. that. Cyclical. And so, yes, I would not get ahead of ourselves here. I would just continue on the path you're on. 13 of you're the not 16. trying to lose. You're trying to be competitive um, and just see where it takes you. I'm not, I'm not adding pieces to try and win right now. No. There's no way I'm. What about doing this that. though? You got 13 of the next 16 against teams below 500. Now I'm not. Okay, I'm not, so that's what I'm saying. Let's see where they are after that stretch. If they're sti- if they're like hovering at the that that would take you right up until when? The end of January. Well, let's see. Um, yeah. Some, well, it's like mid January. Mid January. Yeah. Let's see where they are then before you start. But I don't. I don't think you alter your plans in the in the least bit because let's put it this way: if they do not convey the pick. And let's say they're a fringe playoff team that just falls short of the playoffs. Let's say let's say let's say that scenario. Let's say they finish ninth or tenth in the West. They finish with like thirty five wins. They're gonna have a ton of cap space this summer. So even if you don't add that fourth piece, if you will, through the draft, if you're winning thirty five games and you're right on the fringe with what the nucleus they have coming back, I actually think with the cap space they have, you could you could go and find that fourth piece, if you will, because this is going to be, because of John Morant, because of Jaron Jackson, an attractive place. Now, maybe you're not getting someone with the ceiling that you would of a top-five pick, but I think you can get that wing, that shooter that they're kind of missing um, in free agency, if indeed it is as optimistic as the scenario I just painted. You know, the problem with that is that this upcoming free agent market is not shaping up to be a very good one. Yeah, but like, let's say you add like Joe Harris, someone like, I'm not talking, you're not going to, I'm not saying you're adding a star. Another, you already have your star in John Morant. You already have your, 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 like, I, I don't want to call him a low post guy anymore because of all the threes he had, but your big guy um, in Jaron Jackson. And you've already got your sort of either super sub or your, you know, elite role player in Brandon Clark. So what you need is a shooter. That's what they need. So do you think Dylan Brooks could be that guy? He's headed towards restricted free agency. I would much prefer Dylan Brooks be the seventh man or sixth man on my team on my good team. That's that's where I think that's where I think he's ideal. I, I don't I, I think if you're if you're looking at a contender Grizzlies team, I I don't think it's I think Dylan Brooks is is a a really good bench player for you, um, not a starter. Well, they're going to have an interesting decision to make on Dylan Brooks. To me, this is going to be one of the most fascinating storylines that plays out over the next of the. Rest. How much do you pay him exactly over the rest of the season? Because okay, we know okay we've decided that that Jaw's good. We've decided okay Brandon Clark's good. Uh, it sure looks like Jaron's getting better. Th- th- those... You think because it's a weak free agent market, someone's going to offer him more money than maybe he deserves? It's possible, but yeah. you know the Grizzlies are going to have the ability to match any offer that he gets because he's going to be a restricted free agent, and you know. The the question that I have with Dylan Brooks that I think this front office and this coaching staff will share as this season continues to evolve, can he uh, kind of change his offensive game to be more three-point oriented? His three-point shooting numbers and his two-point shooting numbers are almost identical. His two-point shooting numbers are a little bit higher, but 
we know that the three-point shot is much more efficient, yet for some reason Dylan Brooks continues to take contested twos. And, and I understand it's just part of the, the flow of the game sometimes, but this is a, a discussion point that really matters to front offices around the league. Um, and I'm curious to see if he can tailor his game to, be, to better suit uh, the style that these Grizzlies are going to play moving forward. Yes, I agree. I, I, I would not want to pay him too much, but at the same time, Dylan's thing is like they have what are they what are they now what and O with him scoring more than twenty yeah, points seven and O when he scores twenty seven and O so that means in nineteen of the twenty six games he has not scored yeah more they're, than 20 they're points. two and seventeen right yes so and he and he came on my radio show a few weeks ago and we asked him what his biggest thing was for this year the rest of this year get paid well his yes but this correlates to it consistency. I mean, he need like rather than have these twenty-seven point explosions once every ten games. Like, I would like to see him be a more consistent fifteen game point a game scorer yeah, on this team. Yeah, you know, because uh, they haven't won a he, game he, when he, he scores under ten. He rises and falls a lot, and there's not. It's not a. It's not as consistent as it needs to be, and that's why this this past two or three four game stretch has been encouraging because it's been you know, consecutive good games in a row for him. And you you just, to me, if you're going to give him a lot of money, you want to see him do that more often. So what do you want to see the Grizzlies do? Uh, trade season is upon us. December the 15th marked the date when uh, players who signed free agent contracts over the offseason became eligible to be traded, which now means that, well, like almost a third of the league that wasn't eligible to be traded before is eligible to be traded now. So up until February 6th, which I believe is this year's trade deadline, uh, you know, Essentially, everybody can be traded, uh, with a few exceptions. But uh, I mean, what do you want the Grizzlies to accomplish during NBA? I I want them to get two useful assets, whether it's picks or players, aside from the cap space that you'll get out of the three guys who appear to be tradable. Those being Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Yes, and it seems to me your best bets are Iguodala and Jay Crowder. Um. And maybe you keep Solomon Hill to have a fre- at least to have one veteran in this locker room who's been here since training. Solomon Hill's going to play his way into being that guy that Grizzlies fans really want to see re-signed. He's going to be like, he's is essentially sure if he wants to sign for a veterans minimum. Yeah, sure. Like, like, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that at a veterans minimum. He's this year's like Joakim Noah, like the guy that fans are kind of falling. Uh, I like Joakim better. Than I mean, Solomon yeah, but Hill. Solo, if you will. I mean, everybody loves Solo. I mean, he's just not he's not quite as infectious as as Joakim, but you know. So no, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see them get some usable assets out of those those two guys. Like whether again, it's I, I find it hard to believe they're going to get a first round pick from out of Andre Iguodala because they probably would have pulled the trigger if they were going to get that. But maybe someone at the deadline. I think will teams want could potentially get, get more top. and more desperate as time goes on. Um, and then yeah, with Crowder, you know, something usable like whether it's a pick. Or some young player, I don't, you know, I, more likely a pick with him, like a second round pick. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd like to see. I, I do not want the, I really don't, I don't see a scenario unless they go, go reel off fifteen wins in a row or something, where I would want to be adding anything to try and get the eighth no, playoff spot this year or that, something like that. That's not a wise move, in my opinion. Uh, and I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, just in general. I just want to see the progress we've seen through the first 26 games or so continue. Like you just you don't want to like I don't want John Morant like beyond looking beyond the trade deadline. Like 
I don't want to see John Morant hit some rookie wall. I want to see Jaron continue what he's done over the last Play 10 games too. or so. Yes. And, you know, Brandon Clark not to hit a rookie wall to continue to to make sure that this first 20, how efficient he's been these first 25 games. Maybe that's an unrealistic pace to continue, but that it's not like he's fallen off a cliff that it's, you know, there's a certain standard we can expect from them going into year two. Um, You know, I'd like to see I'd like to see, frankly, you know, you talk about what they can add to their roster during this trade season. I'd like to see Josh Jackson playing for this team. I'd like. I've seen. Okay, we got to. We got to talk about that. I've seen enough Marco Guterich. All right, I've seen enough. I know what he is. What does What does playing Josh Jackson accomplish, though? Maybe you can trade him at the trade deadline. So, in your mind, that's. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like the ship may, the, I think it feels like they've already made up their mind that they are not going to re-sign that guy. Yeah, I wanted somebody else to say that cuz that's um, how I feel about it as well. It's, 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 they would have brought him up already if 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 they wanted to re-sign well, him. Well, never mind them making up their minds about whether or not they're going to re-sign him. And what scenario would Josh Jackson want to re-sign with the Grizzlies? I don't know. I mean, has he talked he has not talked aside from the fir- that first preseason game, the uh, first ca- preseason availability. You know, we right? went and got him. You know, after the hustle's first game, I think there's been a couple of folks who have gone back down there. Uh, they've been on the road a lot, but he's said all the right things, right? Yes. So yeah. up until I forget exactly which day it was, it was during the West Coast road trip, and I was writing a story. I had talked to Yuta, I talked to a couple of the other coaches, you know, um, about Josh Jackson, and I had this story coming out essentially that. Josh Jackson's G League stint has gone really well to this point. And just right around the time that story is getting set to publish, uh, it comes out that Josh Jackson is going to be suspended for a game because of a violation. Two of games, rules. it turned out. So it turned out to be two games. Um, reports that he missed a team meeting. And so it sort of makes you reevaluate, I think, this, this whole thing. Um, and it makes you kind of realize that Josh Jackson's probably getting a little bit frustrated. Yes. Um, no, but I would, I would want to bring him up to see if what he's doing in the G league is for real. And maybe someone is willing to trade for him. Like, well, you, like why waste this asset? Essentially. He is an asset in like, not an asset in like the literal term right now, but like in NBA terms, you got this guy in this trade. Why, why would you not want to try to take advantage of it? Like well, they are going now to the G league's showcase, which is a four day event. In mm-hmm. Las Vegas, that brings every G League team in, in the in the league to Vegas, and it brings a bunch of front office people, you know, to sort of it gives these guys a, a platform on which to showcase their abilities. And so, you know, the idea I think is that there could be discussions about Josh Jackson that take place at this G League showcase, and uh, you know, maybe he kind of gets to, you know, well, I, if I'm a GM on another team, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see him play in an NBA, NBA game, teams, yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know what what that really does for the Grizzlies at this point. If you're pretty sure that he's not going to be a part of your long term plans, which it looks extremely unlikely that that would be the case now, just uh, feels really. It doesn't feel smart to me to just like dis, to just be like to just have your mind made up that this guy is not part of our future. You, it seems like a not a smart move by the Grizzlies. Yeah, but I mean, let's be realistic. He's not. Why would he resign with the Grizzlies? They made no, no, no. I think I think from the get go, this whole strategy has not been smart because, yes, there's risk in in 
in Josh Jackson because of his personal issues, off-the-court issues. We were just talking about Dylan Brooks. Josh Jackson has a much higher ceiling than Dylan Brooks. And in a team like this, in a season like this, he's the type of guy you do play. Like, you're not playing for... Like, yes, they're on the fringe of the playoff picture, but, like, you're not really playing for anything and meaningful this year in terms of the playoffs. Like, he's a guy... He's the one guy currently in the organization where, again, I don't know if this would happen, but there is a scenario where I could see him being the fourth guy. There's no one else on this roster... Dylan Brooks included, who I can say that guy could be the fourth well, guy. I, but what you, I come back to what you said earlier, which is that it feels like they made up their mind already. In fact, you could say that they made up their mind in late October when they opted not to grant Josh Jackson's fourth-year option, which meant that at the upcoming end of this season, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You know who's not going to be an unrestricted free agent, who is under contract for the Grizzlies for the next two seasons? Grayson Allen, Marco Guterich. I know some people have made up their minds on Guterich, but like he's got a guaranteed deal through the end of next season. So you can't. I don't. Well, know I, I don't understand bringing Jackson in to play over Grayson Allen and Marco Guterich when you have longer term investments well, this, I mean, in those guys, and you're trying to figure out what kind of money you want to offer Dylan Brooks uh, as he becomes. Oh, a, I, I get it, but like I mean, Marco Guterich, they signed to be a shooter. The guy's not a shooter. Certainly not right now. Not through twenty five, twenty six games. Like Grayson Allen had two or three good games before he got hurt again. I mean, has he really done very... Like, I don't know. I mean, it it just feels like a mistake. When you watch Grayson Allen and you watch Marco Guterich, their ceiling is not very high in the NBA. Neither. Like, like, I could see Grayson Allen being a usable player on a good Grizzlies team, but his ceiling is very limited, it feels like. Marco Guterich, I don't even think, is really an NBA player. Yeah, um, but at this point, it feels like they've painted themselves into a corner, and maybe the only practical use of bringing Jackson up for NBA time would be, as you say, uh, to allow other general managers to get a look at him against NBA competition. At this point, though, I just don't know if that is ultimately worth it. Is whatever little bit of gain you could get in a trade for Josh Jackson in that scenario worth disrupting? You know, and creating this huge sideshow. I mean, yeah, they've got. These, they're trying to figure out this rotation. They're trying to figure out where D'Anthony Melton fits, a guy who. I haven't even mentioned yet, and now you bring up Josh Jackson. He's going to bring this media spotlight with him. Um, you know, I think they be fear, like for I think one or two games. He, they probably fear that he could be a distraction internally, right? Because you know, with some of the off the court stuff, you know, whatever the the issues with maturity. Not saying that you know that I personally think that would be a big issue, but I think that is part of the reason why this has played out the way it has. Um, so I don't know. I just don't know if there's a lot of benefit to it at this point. But it, it's an interesting. Uh, it, it, you know, this could go down as sort of the one the front office got wrong. Maybe I mean they've made a lot of really good decisions. They made some. Well, really when good it moves. would be in conjunction with, I mean, they're they're not perfect. No one's none of these front offices are perfect. But like to me, it very much appears like it's a limited. It was a limited risk. But like signing Marco Guterich was not didn't really. When you looked at his numbers in Euroleague, it didn't make a lot of sense. But we were told he was a great shooter. And it just not has not translated to the NBA level. Yeah, I mean his three point percentage in the Euroleague was pretty darn good. Um, you know, he's actually surprised me with his ability to like put the ball on the floor. Except he travels once every three times he does that. But and defensively, he's just a nightmare. Yeah, he's not he's not real good defensively either. I mean, I mean, I mean they've made. I mean, look, look, they've made some. I mean, like getting obviously picking Jaw was the right move. 
Yeah, they've got trading, they've got trading up, right. to, trading to get Brandon Clark was a good move. Getting Iguodala, getting a first round pick, and Iguodala was obviously a fantastic move. Yes, they've, um, they've made all the they've made a lot of right moves. I mean, what do you think of Taylor so far? Have you have you had a chance to sort of? He figure seems out? fine. Yeah, yeah I, like I think it's hard. It here's 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 the key. It seems like the guys play for him. That's all that really matters at this point. Like his strategy is kind of like it's fine. It's the I haven't like noted. He hasn't done anything where I've gone, man. That is just he does. It's a horrible move, but I, I, he hasn't necessarily stood out because yeah. of his strategy. What has stood out is the guys seem to believe in what he's doing, yeah. and that's really all that matters at this point. Right, so and you can't say the same. They bought for into other, what he's doing. You can't doing. say the same for they say, were, John Beeline and Cleveland. Yeah, like you know. they have bad games, but then they respond. Like yeah. he very clearly, they very clearly respect him and have bought into what he's selling them. I think it's still too early to determine whether he's a good or great coach or or a bad one. Um, but he seems he's doing an, he's doing the right stuff for now with what their goals are as a franchise. So, um, I've, I you know it's he seems fine. Yeah, you know I think again when you talk about Taylor, he Jenkins, says the word super too much in front <laughs> of words. Ultra. Yeah, ultra. We're ultra competitive. We're super excited. <laughs> That's that's my only pet peeve. Yeah. I guess. My nitpick, Another my example nitpick. of of if you've got any issues with these Grizzlies, uh, my encouragement to you would be to look around the league at the other teams that are below five hundred right now and say, okay, which one of these teams would you rather be? Because I don't know, I don't know that there's a a team out there under five hundred that you would rather be than the Memphis Grizzlies right now. They've got a bright well, future. John well, and for all your talk of maybe losing the pick they are right or you know maybe being too good right. to keep the pick they're still even right now after winning three or four one, there's one two three four five six they're seventh right now seventh worst so they're only one spot out of that yeah. bottom six in terms of the you know I mean, it's interesting so. my in my gut i feel as though even though their next stretch of the schedule, their next month plus is is relatively easy, I do think that over time they will sort of stick in that twenty to thirty win range. I think their t- final win total will be That's in the twenties. It'll be up to the lottery to ultimately decide where they pick because there will be some teams who are worse than they are. Uh, but probabilities look like. Imagine if they were the Pelicans right now. Like well, the Pelicans, it's a nightmare down there. They, they their number one pick hasn't played yet. Who knows if long term he can stay healthy? They signed like people thought they were going to be a playoff team this year, and they just lost what thirteen in a row. Yeah, like twelve in a row, I guess. They're six and twenty-one, and the, yes, they're only three and a half games behind the Grizzlies. But like, I the Grizzlies are light years. Yes. It feels like ahead of them in terms of building a sustainable product. And the, and two three months ago when this season began. People were talking about the Pelicans as if they were like, you know, on the rise, ready to Mm -hmm. be a contender, even after trading Anthony Davis. So, I mean, look, like the Timberwolves, their situation is pretty nightmarish right now with all the money they've got tied up in people. Portland has really fallen off a cliff. Uh, San Antonio, same way. Oklahoma City is like just biding time until they can make their next move. Yeah, it's going to be hard for them to trade Chris Paul, and until they trade Chris Paul, they're going to accidentally win a bunch of games. And Golden State, I think you could argue maybe long term could f- at least the next five years because they're they're going to add someone good. Um, yeah, well, and they get the two best shooters in the NBA back. Yeah, as well. no, they're going to get guys back. Like they're they're in a nice position, but no, I. This season has gone 
it's going according to plan. And like, yes, there's some nitpicks like Josh Jackson, whatever. But like, ultimately, compare how you feel right now to how you felt like, let's say, January of last yeah, year no, about no this joke. franchise. It is night and day. And uh, not only that, just the like, game just is just watching job, like yes. just watching job getting the fact that you can think about the fact that I you know, for the next decade, hopefully. You get to watch John ja Morant play for your team, like that's just really exciting to think about. And I don't think anyone's shedding tears over a departure from grit and grind either. This style has been fun to watch. Uh, this team's fun to watch, and uh, it's been a blast to cover them. So uh, appreciate you tuning in to the Grizzlies podcast. I'm our Grizzlies beat writer David Cobb, alongside columnist uh, Mark Giannato. We will catch you probably uh, in the new year. Thanks for tuning in.